Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Sandra Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, it's been another absolutely astonishing 24 hours at the US Open. I suspect you're going to get rather bored of me uh, and or David saying that over the course of the next week. It's amazing how great matches become infectious. This tournament feels like it's on a roll. Uh, we're currently wish- watching the latter stages of the 33rd five-set match of the tournament. I believe the all-time record at the US Open is 35, um, and 33 puts this tournament in third position with seven days of it still to go. Um, it's just Matt and myself tonight because David is... he He's OK, but he's not up to podcasting yet. He has been... Uh, more present in WhatsApp chat. He's been champing at the bit to return or certainly to get more involved. And I've had to be pretty stern with him <laughs> about his instructions to sleep, rest and just consume sustenance. Three things David finds difficult. Mm. But we're proud of him because he's doing it, <laughs> we believe. Yeah. You know that quote from Naomi Osaka from her Instagram post before the tournament? Like, you know, you've got to celebrate your triumphs, whatever those are to you. Yes. Yeah, if you got out of bed this morning and that's tough for you, well done. Well, David, you had a nap today. Well done. (laughs) Uh, We miss you, of course. I mean, partly because I think this US Open is increasingly requiring three people's vocabulary Mm. Uh, to try and capture it, quite frankly. And we come to you, it's one thirty. pair of eyes, everything. Yeah, it's one thirty in the morning. Uh, I have got some um, very bizarre looking, Matt's been very polite not to mention it, but I've emerged from the bathroom (laughs) with some very bizarre patches under my eyes to try and uh, rescue my slightly corpse-like appearance uh, for (laughs) for appearing on the telly tomorrow. Um, And Francis Tiafo at this moment, well, he's clenching his fist right in front of me. He's a set to the good against Felix auger Ali Asim over on the grandstand court. Carlos Alcaraz is in a fifth set against Peter Goyovchik, whose whose legs are gone. 
Um, and we expect Alcaraz, I think he was full love at the time we switched over to Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, we expect Alcaraz to come through narrowly. He was in a battle, two sets to one down he was. He didn't look like the likely winner at one stage. So those two matches in progress, there's still Muguruza against Krachikova to come, unbelievably. Um, but we should probably start, Matt, with... With last night and uh, another another match which lured us, and by us I mean me, into the trap of declaring a winner live on last night's podcast before the final ball had been struck. And I think if the US Open this year will teach us anything, it's to never, ever do that <laughs> on the podcast. Was that the third night in a row where the sort of day's biggest story had come just after we'd finished recording? We should probably get ahead of tonight's biggest story and say apologies <laughs> for not covering it we will return to it in 24 hours there's only so much we can do um but yeah i mean when we were recording ash barty was in trouble wasn't she to begin with we'd we'd watched that first set of hers and it was really a bad set of tennis from barty and she admitted as much afterwards she said she really struggled to adjust to the night conditions. The court was much deader than she was expecting. She didn't have any feel on her forehand whatsoever. And her serve at the start of that match, I think she had hit five double faults after a couple of service games. She was really, really struggling. Um, But then as we were recording, she got it together. And I think we pretty much finished the podcast with her 5-2 up in that third set and in control having taken charge looking like she was going to win and then what happened was that she lost serve twice when serving for the match and that had been a theme of her first two rounds here she'd lost serve both times serving for the match and still recovered to win she'd been insistent in her press conference that it wasn't an issue but you know, you can't argue with the evidence, really. That's that's four times in three rounds she's lost to serve when serving for the match. And she really just didn't close the match in the way that I expected her to. And full credit to Shelby Rogers. She played exceptionally well. I thought she hung around in rallies far better than I've ever really seen her do. I think of her as a really big hitter and that can often not go hand in hand with consistency. And she certainly has got a lot of power, but she was smart with her tennis. She was looping the ball up, moonballing it to the Barty backhand, which was just a great tactic and feels like something the rest of the tour needs to try and adopt if they can. Um, And then it went to a final set tie break and there was sort of one, one rally really, which, which Rogers came out on top of an epic exchange crowd behind her she actually said the crowd are in control of this tournament didn't she Rogers afterwards and that is the most stunning result of the tournament you know in in a tournament of incredible results I think that is the one which really stands out Ash Barty world number one in such good form out in the third round and it and it has changed the feel of the women's tournament I think yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I know I know nobody went so far as to call her an overwhelming favorite pre-tournament, but in in recent times of the women's game, she's as as, as strong a favorite mm. as the, there's been for a tournament. I think it it really felt like a a huge shock. It felt different to Osaka winning 
a couple of nights before, Shelby Rogers, her scenes on the Arthur Ashe Stadium, they really were hashtag scenes, weren't <laughs> they? And she, she, she gave us all the brilliant sort of analytical line for this US Open. She said, I've got to thank the crowd. There is, there's just something different about you this year. You pick who you want to win and you somehow make it happen. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if Novak Djokovic was, uh, was listening to that because that wouldn't necessarily be brilliant listening for him, although I'm sure he would, he would con- contest that situation. Um, but yeah, she's really highlighted a thing, a thing that is happening at this US Open. And it, it certainly felt like it happened for Leila Fernandez today against Angelique Kerber. How an 18-year-old conducts a crowd the way she does and isn't annoying about it, I, I will never understand. But it was, I don't say this lightly, but that match was a very strong contender for the match of the tournament for me. Quality-wise, certainly sets two and three. Definitely. And I thought, you know, we're talking about how the tournament changes with Ash Barty going out. Very difficult to pick an overall favourite. If I'd had to pick one, I probably would have picked Angelique Kerber at the start of today. Um, oh, no. I, I know. You didn't have, I, to, I didn't to, have admit to admit that. that. It's just, you know, it's the kind of person I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, because she's been the one who's been most directly affected, really, by Ash Barty's brilliant form this summer she's she's lost to ash barty and ash barty only in these last couple of months and she's a former champion and she's just looked in such good form and had beaten really tough opponents in the first few rounds so i thought it was going to take something really special to stop kerber and that is exactly exactly what we got from leila fernandez the little period when she was a set and a breakdown to turn that second set around, to win that second set, and to eventually win the third set. Just as you said, some of the best tennis I've seen all tournament. The point construction, the angles, the fearlessness of youth that she plays with, um, and the joy she plays with. I I think Angelique Kerber's got the trademark double fist pump, hasn't she? And And we saw it, and it was wonderful. And it was wonderful. And Fernandez has got a trademark vertical fist pump. She raises her hand (laughs) above her head. uh, It was just a joy. And like you said, the crowd was such a big factor in that match. They were, you know, they were pulling for Fernandez and kind of... She said that line, didn't she, after she beat Osaka, she said it on court, that she wanted to be out there longer and she just she started peaking and hitting winners and she kind of just did the same thing today. She just sort of flicked, flicked a switch, changed gear and what a game she's got. Set and 4-2 down she was and she, she put Angelique Kerber into a state of disbelief because mm. Kerber was, was bringing her best. She was, she was, she was absolutely bringing it, and I just love seeing Angelique Kerber oh. in that mode. She, it, it, it can't not be a great match when she's in that mode. But unfortunately, her best brought out Fernandez's best, and it was just, yeah. I mean, you, you ran out of words, you ran out of reaction, you ran out mm. of. I kept shouting, "Not again! N- no, no. <laughs> no way!" No way. I mean, if you hadn't, ha- if you haven't had the chance to watch her, just just 
try and find the chance because it it's so improbable. It's, uh, she's not. She's not the shortest on tour, according to the the stats. And I do question this. She's actually an inch taller than Ash Barty, but her physique is so slight. She looks like a figure skater to me. She really looks like a figure skater. Um, and I, I saw, I heard the backstory of Elena Rabatkina earlier this week that she she was a figure skater, a very accomplished one, and she was told that she was too tall to be a figure skater, which is something I can relate to. I mean, there are other reasons why I couldn't be a figure skater. Um, and Leila Fernandez, who, as far as I know, has no figure skating background, so this is tenuous, but bear with me, was told she was too small to be a tennis player. Mm. So the story goes. I know I know. there's probably a lot more to it than than the headlines, but yeah, with, with the, 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 the talent identification program in, in Canada, at, we're talking young age here, I think, sort of 10, 11, that sort of thing. She... She was less left out of the program because she was deemed too small to make it, and on paper she probably is. But and I and I can't explain it. I can't explain it to you. I know people are telling me that it's leg strength and all the rest of it, but it it still looks complete wizardry mm. what she does. Yeah, completely. And there was a real moment of game recognized game at the end wasn't there when yes. when Kerber went round the net which is not something I've seen her do before she went round to hug Fernandez and to she said in her press conference to just tell her how well she played Kerber appreciated that performance even though she was on the receiving end of it which is really interesting because there was there were little signs of chippy Kerber in the third set, weren't there? Sarcastic there was thumbs up. The sarcastic thumbs up. There was the occasional vibe of how dare she? Mm. How dare she be this good? Shaking I'm, of the head. I'm playing my best and this shouldn't be happening when I'm playing my best. And it was, it really took me aback and, and warmed my cockles to see her, to see her give that gesture mm. at the end. And, and I think, I think Leila Fernandez really appreciated it, but also didn't need it because... I think she knows how good she is. Oh. I really do. She has this. She has incredible inc- belief. Incredible inner belief. It f- seems to come from such a solid foundation that I can't imagine what would shake it. You know, she's and, she's something. And it's growing stronger. You know, with all these results. So I think I think that you know she's beaten the twenty. 20- 16 champion now in Kerber. Kerber herself had beaten the 2017 champion in Stevens, and Fernandez has beaten the 2018 and 2020 champion in Osaka. I mean, if that isn't going to grow your belief, I don't, I don't know what is. And and also, she was the physically stronger player down mm. the stretch, you know. And it, and her physical trainer was was very celebratory <laughs> of that. He is. He is Mr. Reaction Cam. Um, yeah, I hope he's having a big old lie down somewhere right now because he, I mean, he needs to do full rehab tomorrow to be ready for Leila Fernandez's birthday. Birthday. She turns 19 tomorrow. So, which means she can no longer be in the gang. I know. I'm genuinely worried about that. What if sort of all the powers are with all the 18 year olds? In this tournament, I was also imagining Emma Raducanu watching that match and knowing 
what she said the other day yeah. about being inspired by it and wanting to join the gang. And Alcaraz has now won six love in the fifth set. So the gang remains intact. It's over to you, Emma. Mm. We found an extra angle of pressure <laughs> to heap on Emma Raducanu. Um, her next opponent, Leila Fernandez, will be Alina Svitolina in the quarterfinals. She beat Simona Halep in the first match on the Arthur Ashe Stadium today. It was a good match. There were bits of it that were really, really good. There were there were three all games in both sets mm. that were that were great, really competitive. But it didn't didn't quite reach the absolute heights that some of their matches can. I mean, we had an interview with Samantha Hallett before the match, and she said, "Oh well, all our matches are three hours, so it'll, <laughs> yeah, it'll I was settled in definitely be a physical test and." Um, it wasn't. It wasn't quite that, but it was a very, very good two-set match and a big win actually for Svitolina, her first over Halep at a Slam. Yeah, and I think it's probably one of her best ever results at a Slam, considering the caliber of opponent, considering that head-to-head. And look, this was a fourth-round match, and Svitolina has never really had any trouble in fourth-round matches. It's not this stage of the tournament where she's come unstuck that tends to be the quarters or the semis but it felt like a much bigger match than a fourth round playing Halep one of her great rivals it was high stakes and those are the sorts of matches where you sometimes see the limits of Svitolina's game perhaps and I was really impressed with her belief actually as well she she had a different vibe on the court to what mm, she I often has so. um, mm. and you mentioned that three all game in the second set that was the one where she really stepped up and stepped in in terms of hitting the forehand and being more aggressive and taking it to Hallett rather than sitting back and just soaking it up and it was just quite a big quite a big change for Svitolina who you know we don't really see her do that that often um I thought Hallett would win. I, I, I trust Hallett more in big matches than Svitolina. Me too. I had a I had a huff when I I discovered that Hallett had already been picked uh by our predictions rivals for this tournament, so I I had to go for Svitolina. Mm, and you've got nineteen excellent points. Nineteen out of it. sweet, sweet points. <laughs> um Yeah, and yet it was it was Fitalina who was actually you know the player who backed herself in this match. I think Hallett was perhaps a little bit hindered by the upper thigh in a way that we hadn't really seen yeah. so far this tournament. The movement that Fitalina yeah it was difficult because she she never sort of she never pulled up wincing or anything like that. There was never one big giveaway, but a couple of percent on the movement mm. is enough to to impact Hallett's game considerably. So. Yeah, I don't. I I do think there were probably a few percent missing, but I, yeah, she still needed beating. Absolutely. Mm. She she was asked by the interviewer on the court um, after the match. A really, I thought it was quite a good question actually, because Gamal Fees had been in the in the stands watching throughout, and there were constant camera cutaways to him, and he, there was, you know, long sort of long pause. Building, building the anticipation of this question, he said, he said, Alina, this is the first time we've seen you on Ash, the first opportunity we've had to say congratulations. And I had already eye-rolled at this point, Matt. I thought it was going to be 
congratulations on your wedding, the question <laughs> that Gilmore Fees never, ever, ever gets. And he said, maybe a bit cheekily, but anyway, congratulations on your Olympic bronze medal. And I thought it was really lovely, especially as we know exactly how much that mm. Olympic bronze medal went to, meant to her. Unfortunately, she completely misheard the question and answered, I don't know what she thought she heard, but she answered a com- an entirely <laughs> different question. Yeah, I, I'm a bit confused by the acoustics of these interviews. Because, <laughs> so is Svitolina. Be, well, because we can hear them very clearly, but I'm not sure the players are hearing them that ah. clearly. There's there's some sort of issue, I think, between interviewer and player. There was a slightly odd interaction between friend of the pod, Pam Shriver, and Daniil Medvedev earlier as well. But there was also some, some microphone mm. geography issues before before that interview and and a lot of the vibe of that match between Medvedev and the stadium had been a little bit a little bit weird yes it was yeah he was um well at one point he hit a return of serve around the net I've never seen that before never seen it before it was astonishingly good and it was kind of treated with silence that, that there wasn't much applause and Medvedev raised his arms as if to say, come on, that's like the best <laughs> shot I've ever hit in my life. <laughs> I think it's possible that they didn't know it was around the net. It was, it's, it's quite hard to tell, I think, if you're sitting in the stadium. I think that's quite hard to see. But it was a spectacular winner, even if it wasn't around the net. Um, but it's, you know, obviously they need to appreciate that. But I do think there is something about Medvedev where... He's deceptive and you don't realise how good he is until you properly watch him. I mean, I've, I've certainly felt that. With because Medvedev. the technique I think so. isn't aesthetically lovely. I think it's probably that, yes. Um, but, but, but that was an absolutely incredible performance. It was today. masterful. It was so good. Dan Evans threw everything at him, tried all the tricks in the book, played very, very well. And he's a world-class player, Dan Evans. And Medvedev just destroyed him, just made him look like nothing. And yeah. Dan, that was Dan Evans's assessment, wasn't it? He said there are levels and he's just on a different level to me. Yeah, Dan Evans has said before the match, I just want to leave with no regrets. And I th- I think he can do that. You know, mm. Tim Tim Hemman in, in our commentary and, and, and Greg in the studio as well, would, I think they would have liked him to have come to the net a bit more, but they equally recognised that there were just no opportunities to. The depth mm. of Daniil Medvedev, I mean, the the risks you'd have had to be taking to to even try and make your way up to the net more than he more than he was doing would have Yeah, it would have been casino tennis to the absolute extreme, I think. But um and yeah. Medvedev's passing shots Oof. were so accurate he, whenever Evans the angles he creates in. from nothing he can torts his body's body into the most bizarre con, um positions um yeah i mean if this tournament were just about tennis he's playing the best tennis by some distance by i think by some distance um of course tennis is never just about tennis um and if he does face novak djokovic in the final no doubt Djokovic will raise his level and it'll all be about far more than just tennis. But Djokovic will be noticing how well Medvedev is playing and be pleased they're in opposite halves of the draw, I think. Because I th- I somehow think I would give Djokovic a better chance of beating Medvedev in a final than in a 
mm. than in a semi-final in these particular circumstances. Um, yeah, perhaps. I, I think Djokovic has got a far trickier draw the way things have now played out in this tournament. You know, there are lots of players playing very well in Medvedev's half, but they're inexperienced players. But Djokovic could still have to go through Berrettini and Zverev before he even gets to Medvedev. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Matt, are you calling Botic van der Zandschulp a good quarterfinal draw for Daniil Medvedev? I am. <laughs> Bold. Despite beating Diego Schwartzman in five sets today. That takes some doing. It really does, yeah. And look, he might be the new Aslan Karatsev. You've anointed two people, the new Aslan Karatsev, in one week. The similarity being that he's beaten Diego Schwartzman. Right, Right, okay. Because that was the match that Mm. really made me take notice of Karatsev in Australia, the way he just manhandled Schwartzman. And and this wasn't that... Um, First time I've properly watched Botic van der Zanschulp, mm. I'm going with. Yeah, and we're going to stick with that. And I feel I feel good about that pronunciation. To all the Dutch people that have been tweeting me, informing me that the C-H in... I can't make that noise. Zanschulp is the same, noid, noid, the same sound as the G in Dida de Goot. Easier to say at the start Easier of the word than in the middle of the word. Easier to say at the start. I, I just don't think, I genuinely have tried today, I don't 
don't think I can contort my mouth that way. Um, look, we'll we'll continue to work on it, but and thank you, Dutch people on Twitter, for your contributions. Um, we're going to go with Botic. Botic, I think. Bo- Botic, like Boteng. Yeah. Okay. Botic van der Zandschulp. Yes, we're going to go with that. I think it's I think it's as right as we can get it right now. Yes. Without sort of Dutch lessons, I think. <laughs> anyway, anyway, tell us about yeah. the match, man. Anyway, well, um, he'd been a real comeback guy this tournament, hadn't he? He'd played six matches to get to this stage, three in qualifying, three in the main draw, and lost the first set in all of them. And then... Changed his winning formula today by winning the first two sets against Diego Schwartzman. And he's he's another quite deceptive player, actually, because he, he looks much bigger than he is. He's, he's six foot three, but he looks like he's about six foot five, he's, six foot he's six quite on the square, court. isn't he? Yes, he is quite square. Is it the shoulders? Is it sort of coat hangery shoulders? I don't. Yeah, it's so, similar sort of stature to um, Hubert Hercatch, who's also yeah. who I also think of as quite square. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, but he moves pretty well, and what he particularly does well is hit his forehand and come to the net. He loves moving forward, and you know that makes him quite a good watch, especially against someone like Schwartzman, who's sort of not like that. So it was quite a nice contrast. Anyway, he was cruising, really. It was two sets and a breakup, blew it in the third set, um, and then got to two match points on Schwartzman's serve in the fourth set and shanked two forehands, you know, really badly. Um, and the crowd was up going for Diego Schwartzman. There seemed to be loads of Argentinian fans on, on the Louis Armstrong Stadium. And ended up becoming a really great watch and a kind of thrilling match because you've got van der Zandschulp going for this massive moment in his career against a guy who is more experienced, but he's also not, you know, one of the big three. He's not like a sure bet, Diego Schwartzman. So Schwartzman was giving van der Zandschulp a chance and it was just kind of whether he could take it. And credit to him, after messing messing up those match points, the mental recovery and the physical recovery required to go again in the fifth set. And he actually won through the fifth set pretty easily, uh, 6-1. Um, just just a really impressive performance and a, and a useful reminder, really, as we've had this year with, with someone like Karatsev as well, that the gap between someone like Schwartzman and someone like van der Zandschulp is not as big as it seems. You know, he's at 117 in the world, but he can really, really play. And, you know, he's, he's won loads of matches on the Challenger Tour, titles on the Challenger Tour. He can transfer that to the Tour. You know, it's very, very difficult to do because there's so many good players. But, yeah, he was, he was really impressive. Um, and he's the first qualifier to reach first men's qualifier to reach the US Open quarterfinals since Gilles Muller in 2008 and Nicholas Escudet is the only other man who's got that far in the Open era. So, you know, just a, just a big, big moment for him, really. We were a set away, Matt, from you anointing a third man, the new Aslan Karatsev. If Peter Goyovchik had beaten Carlos Alcaraz today, 
Would you? I, I might have gone there. <laughs> <laughs> I arrived home to a wonderful greeting from Billie Jean and from Matt, but he's slightly less demonstrative about it than Billie Jean is. Um, and Matt, Matt had gone all Spanish at the uh, at the time that I arrived home. Um, I don't. I hope you don't mind me disclosing this, Matt. On the podcast, he calls Alcaraz Alcaraz, but when he's shouting at the telly watching his matches, it's. <laughs> It's all Alcaraz. Um, and mm. yeah. I've been immersing myself in it today. I've been reading quite a lot of the Spanish press coverage of Alcaraz. Um, and it's just it's just interesting, I think, to, to see their perspective. Um, m- my main takeaway of it is how keen they are not to compare him to Nadal. And how, you know, there's, a, there's an article on El País, which is one of the big newspapers in Spain, you know, kind of like the names Bond, James Bond. It's the names Alcaraz, Carlos Alcaraz. He is his own man and he is a guy, you know, in his own right, a great, great player. Um, comes from a tennis family. His dad was was pretty good at the national level. He's tennis obsessed, Alcaraz. That, that's a real thing that comes through. You know, he's often seen at breakfast at these tournaments watching tennis on his phone while you know he's just completely obsessed by it and talking about the about his training what I found really interesting was you know a lot of drills and training of tennis players I think can be quite restrictive and they can sort of manufacture them in a way but all these articles were just commenting on the fact that Alcaraz has so much talent and all the coaches in Spain really want to give him the freedom to develop it. And I think that's why we see a player who is so seemingly complete. You know, I think the serve can improve, but he seems to have just kind of got everything and they're trying to let that flourish. They call him a tornado in that his game is kind of explosive and you don't really know where it's going next or what it's going to do next because it's got sort of options at his disposal. And I think, you know, with... With Emma Raducanu, there's real surprise over these last few months that she's been capable of this so quickly. You know, we knew about her talent. People had talked about Raducanu, but that she was capable of this, I don't think anyone saw that coming. I get a very different sense with Alcaraz. All of it feels like just a complete matter of time, and it could be his next tournament that he plays where all this talent has come pouring out and it's obviously happened at this US Open and he's been touted for greatness for a long time and it's he's sort of delivering on it now and no one is that surprised by it in Spain. How close was he to losing today to Peter Govchuk outside? It, even even without his, his astounding heroics of this tournament, just on paper, rankings-wise, he's the heavy favourite mm. for, for that matchup. Yeah, and out on the grandstand court, whereas I think that was the only singles match today, wasn't it? Mm. Not on one of the two courts with a roof, and it was a it was a rainy day in in New York. I think he pretty much got in got on court on time, but there was that to consider as well. Um, well, he was two sets to one down and a breakdown in the fourth set, so you know he was really on the ropes. That break was very early in the set, and he did turn it around pretty much straight away. He was having trouble just shaking Goyovchik off a little bit. You know, he won the second set very easily, but then Goyovchik hung around, won the third. But in the end, I think he won physically. You know, 
Skyovchik was pretty spent, wasn't he, in in the in mm. the latter stage of the fourth set and presumably in the fifth set as well, given the six love scoreline. And you know, obviously, eighteen year old Alcaraz has got that in his favour. <laughs> um, so yeah, he was. I think that's just another step, though. You know, backing up a big win, yeah, is a big deal. Yeah. Speaking of drills, by the way, as you were about Carlos Alcaraz. He will face the winner of this match that's on our, our, our screen in front of us between Tiafo and Auger and Esim. And during uh, the start of that second set, it's now a set apiece. Uh, one all in the third set. I don't know why I give these score updates. Anyway, <laughs> at some point in the past, uh, it was one all in the third set between Tiafo and Auger and Esim. Um Jim Courier was saying in the Prime Video commentary that Tiafo's coach, Wayne Ferreira, had really, really noted um, in his early days and throughout his period working with Francis that when Tiafo wins a tight competitive set, he always loses the next set. He put it down to just the adrenaline, the the adrenaline that makes him such a dazzling um, mm. and thrilling and dramatic watch in a in a in a competitive match also has a has an after effect there's almost a hangover from it um he has a big surge and then it's all it's all briefly gone and uh he he said that Wayne Ferreira and uh Tiafo's fitness coach had devised drills specifically designed at preventing that from happening in the off season they they trained him to the point of exhaustion and then made him play an extra set <laughs> I mean, it's not panned out too well tonight because he has dropped that say. second set six two to to Felix Auger Lassim. But I, yeah, I just found that really interesting. And apparently, Francis was all for it. You know, just I'm I'm all in on this. Which you know, if someone said to me, right, today's agenda is <laughs> to get exhausted. Yeah, to get exhausted and then ask you to do something on top of that. Um, which actually, I suppose, is precisely what I'm doing right now with this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I just found that found yeah, that, that very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, Alcaraz against Al- Alcaraz against Felix Auger Aliassime with with Auger Aliassime being the elder statesman. Yeah. You've you've already used the changing of the guard that was supposed to change the guard, Matt. You've potentially got <laughs> you've potentially got two days <laughs> mm. to come up with a new one. I think that'll be interesting for you know everyone really. But Ali Asim has always been playing up, you know, up an age category, mm. hasn't he? You know, we compare him to Sitsapas and Medvedev and Zverev, even who are considerably much older, older yeah. And obviously, he's you know two or three years older than Alcaraz. It's a similar age gap between them um yeah it's just not the sort of matchup we've seen Aurelia seem that involved with because you know there just aren't that many players younger than him yeah yeah it, I mean look this match has a long way to go it really feels like it has a long way to go and it feels like it's entirely predictable that this match is going to be a very very long undulating epic one which I know I made this point last night but Makes it worth making again. Worth making again makes it so absurd that Muguruza and Krachikova 
are scheduled last on this Arthur Ashe Stadium after this after this men's match. I think it's disrespectful, and I th- I think the scheduling for Barbora Kuchikova throughout the tournament so far has been disrespectful, frankly. Um, and I was very pleased to read today that she thinks it's disrespectful as well. She didn't quite use that word, but so often when this when this happens, it's happened to Venus a lot at Wimbledon, hasn't it? And she's she said, you know, with a knowing look in her eyes, she said, "Look, I'll it's Wimbledon. I love it. I'll play. I'll play wherever I'm scheduled." Um, but Barbora Krajikova said, "Right now, I don't feel that even after all that I did." And all that's happening, I still don't feel that TV wants to see me or the tournaments want to see me. I don't know why. It doesn't really matter. I just want to get to that point where I'm going to play my first round on a huge court and there will be people who want to see me. I'll want them to be entertained and to do the best show for them. I'm not at this point yet. My motivation is not winning or losing. My motivation is to get to this stage. Well, well, if I was doing the scheduling, Barbora, you are at that point. Yeah, you're the French Open champion. Yeah, absolutely. And you play an extremely watchable brand of tennis. And I was was pleased that she said that. um, And I'm pleased that she feels that way. Um, But I'm also heartbroken by it. I found those really sad, sad Mm. comments. Yeah, me too. Yeah. should say, I think that's in a New York Times piece mm. um, with Ben Rothenberg. Those quotes are from. Um, yeah, it it is sad because just as you said, she's already done enough to merit top billing. You, you know, at Grand Slams, not probably always the centre court because mm. there's so many players who who merit that. But she was out on court. You know, like thirteen. I, th- I, th- I think one day she was scheduled on on the same court as Casper um, Ruud. You know, and they were sort of putting her on that level. Well, because they're they're the same seeding, but it is not. It's not the same. No, exactly. Um, you know, so it is sad, but it's as you said. I'm and, I'm pleased she's kind of honest about that. And if she can use that as sort of mm, extra motivation, then good for her. And I'm sure some have made the case. Well, not many people know who she is, but but. No one's going to know who she is. If you keep sticking her on court 13. Absolutely, or on in the middle of the night. So, yeah, give people a chance to get to know and see the tennis of Barbora Krujikova because they'll be all the better for it. The winner of that match between Krujikova and Mogarutha will play Arena Sabalenka, who's having disconcertingly serene progress through this tournament. She's now, of course, the top seed remaining with Barty going out. Uh, she beat Elisa Mertens today in, in two straight sets. Um, a, a pretty unremarkable unremarkable match. She does have Mertens measure, obviously her her longtime doubles partner. I, I still think they played together occasionally, but but Sabalenka's taken a step back from from doubles, hasn't she? It's, it's when Sabalenka makes herself available and mm. when she doesn't, Mertens plays with Sue O'Shea and wins Wimbledon yeah. with her. So <laughs> it's all good for Elisa Mertens on the doubles front. Um, but yes, Sabalenka, it's, is, is this 
the change in her at Grand Slam level? Has Wimbledon, has that breakthrough at Wimbledon, getting the monkey off her back, has it changed her? Or is the is has the wobble just been deferred? I don't know. Yeah, it, it's tough to say. It's a very different route to the one she had at Wimbledon. I think what I found so impressive at Wimbledon was she was winning tight matches or matches where she wasn't always playing her best, which had really been something she'd struggled with in her career generally, but particularly at Grand Slams. Whereas here, she so far seems to be in the sort of mood we saw her in in Madrid earlier this year, where she's just sort of crushing everyone. And I do think her game on these quick courts Mm. is pretty fearsome. You know, we always say Wuhan with Sabalenka. I think you're supposed to say Wuhan Bulldog. (laughs) Only at Wimbledon. And and feel weird about it. Um, you know, that's traditionally a very quick tournament, isn't it? And she's thrived there. And so far, she's doing the same here. Mm. Yeah, we were speculating earlier, weren't we, about how she would feel about being sort of on paper now the favourite for the for the title. And we veered between saying she'll really struggle with that to she won't even notice that. And we sort of both concluded we don't really understand Arena Sabalenka. No. In a, in a kind of wonderful way, it's great that she's so unfathomable. <laughs> but I re- yeah, I really I don't understand the workings of her brain um, well enough to, 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 to confidently say how she would deal with anything, really. Uh, but she will face the winner of Muguruza against Krajikova. The schedule for tomorrow is out. Uh, it starts on the Arthur Ashe Stadium with Alexander Zverev against... Yannick Sinner. Can Sinner challenge Zverev? Zverev's looked very good. The serve is a huge weapon. Sinner played five a couple mm. of days ago against Monfils. Yeah, I, I think he can. I mean, he, he won their last Grand Slam match, um, or their only Grand Slam match at the French Open last year. I think I think Zverev was ill that day, if, if I remember correctly. It was, it was a day when he took to the court with COVID symptoms, and it, it was mm. a whole thing. Um Zverev dropped the opening set against Jack Sock last mm. night. Jack Sock played blistering tennis for a set and just couldn't couldn't keep it up and ended up having to retire in the fourth set of that match. Um, I still think Zverev will win, but yes, I think I think Sinner Sinner can challenge him for sure. Then it is Shelby Rogers against Emma Raducanu. Who Matt is the favourite for that match? Gosh. If you were an odds compiler. I would say Raducanu. Mm, I think I would too. I'm interested in what a, what who a wild What a wild is. time this US <laughs> Open is. Um, the actual favourite is Raducanu. Yes. Mm. Just. Wow. Wild times. Yeah. I, I mean, favorite I can't... I, to reach the quarterfinals. Yeah, it's bonkers. <laughs> uh, the night session on Ash tomorrow is Djokovic against Brooksby. I, I don't think Brooksby will win, but I think it'll be fun. Yes. Uh, and then the second match, again, don't agree with the scheduling. Zachary against Andrescu. Um Yeah, just <laughs> somehow find a way to stay up for that. Uh, Armstrong Stadium starts obviously an hour earlier with Bencic against Sviontek. Then Riley Apelka against Lloyd Harris. P.S. Lloyd Harris did beat Denis Shapovalov last night in th- in straight sets. That happened. No one's that surprised. No, I mean, it, 
it feels like an unremarkable result, mm. really. I mean, credit to Harris. He's really rising. And a Dominic team is doing some work for Tennis Channel, isn't he, this tournament? And I saw a clip of him saying he, he really thinks Harris will break into the top 30, if not the top 20, within a year. He, he really rates Harris and he's such a good athlete and he's far younger than I had realised. He's got more development ahead and, yeah, he's he's beaten Shapovalov. Kind of the classic, straightforward tennis match scoreline. 6-4, mm. 6-4, 6-4. Just no fuss, sort of imposing yourself as the better player. Mm. Yeah, he was very good. He faces Apelka tomorrow. And Oscar Otter against Matteo Bertini is the last match on Armstrong. He is the the OG new Aslan Karatsev. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of other singles, there is one women's singles on grandstand. Last up, Karolina Pliskova against Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova. There's also some really interesting doubles matches on grandstand tomorrow. Uh, Rajiv Ram, Joe Salisbury in third round action. They're first on Pierre Hugobert, Nicolas Mahou. Is this their last ever Grand Slam? Has Nicolas Mahou confirmed? Well, there are rumours, aren't there, that this is his last season. Matt looks like I'm, I've... I'm bereft. No, come on. Surely they're going to go on to Paris in three years' time to try and get that gold medal. Yeah, now. there are only rumours. I, I regret saying anything. Matt looks utterly crestfallen. <laughs> no, they've many, they've many miles to go. Mm. But... But nonetheless, let's just appreciate them while they're there. They're second on Grandstand Court tomorrow. And uh, Coco Goff and Katie McNally are in round three doubles action tomorrow on the Grandstand Court as well. Uh, Shea and Mertens, they're playing on court number 17. Oh, against the power couple, Greetman and, and Alison van Oetvank. Yes. Ah, good good stuff everywhere. Oh, the Rodianova sisters are playing. Hey, this is good stuff. Jamie Murray, Bruno Suarez, of course, the former champions. The band is back together. They're first on court, up on court number five. Leila Fernandez, P.S., is still in the women's doubles. She's playing with Erin Routcliffe of New Zealand. And they play Monica Nicolescu and Elena Gabriela Roos of Romania tomorrow. That match is second on court number five. So, yeah. Very interesting one. Uh, I think that is it for your Day 7 US Open 2021 tennis podcast. This Grand Slam is bonkers. Bonkers. Yeah, but in the most... Brilliant way. Just dazzling way. It yeah. is... Um, and, you'd, and you somehow feel confident that it's going to continue like this because for some inexplicable reason, it does always seem to be contagious doesn't mm. it good tennis is contagious at grand slams yeah but that rarely at a tournament you know at a whole tournament i mean, I mean certainly the one that sticks out for me is the 2017 australian mm. open but often you get days where mm. something changes in the air and upsets breed upsets or great matches breed great matches but just the way it's carrying on from day to day is i, I is think special. i think the crowd have clocked on how much they're being bigged up, how much their part is being bigged up. And I think, you know, New York crowd, they like that and they're rising to it. Yeah. They're, you know, totally. we're the 12th man here. We have actual power. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I um, I tweeted earlier that 
you know, the match of the tournament is the next match you watch. And it's like such a good feeling to have. I'm just so confident that every match yeah. is going to be great. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, goodness. Already can't wait for tomorrow. Um, need some sleep before then. So let's let's wrap this thing up. We've obviously got our mascots. We've got Zeus. Thank you, Alina Svitolina, on Zeus's behalf. I thought she'd win all along, really. Um, Matt's got Scousel Mousel. David has got Rogue. And David had Layla Fernandez today. Mm. So, Rogue, you are welcome. Hey, Arrested David is a, is a, is a good David, predictions-wise. He's making unbelievable predictions. Yeah, he is. It's very annoying. Uh, get well soon, David. We hope you're back on the pod soon. Um, we have Chris Albert Lee, who's our executive producer and top bloke. We have the very handsome Francis as our tournament mascot. Hello, Francis. Uh, Billie Jean has Billie Jean King as her mascot. She looks unmoved by that fact from her teepee. Tennis really is a lot for Billie Jean. So much. <laughs> Just, she's she's trying to pace herself, but it's very hard. Well, she's going out during the day. Yeah. So 100% she was, she of the time... She was at the time, pub at lunchtime. 100% of the time she's here, tennis is on. <laughs> <laughs> what is life? What is life for Billie Jean? Uh, Matt, who are our shout-outs for? We have Jeff Gundrum. Oh, hello, Jeff. Um, Jeff with a J. Jeff with a J. I was going to go Jeff Goldblum. Is that mm. with a J? Yes, it is. Great, Jeff. Yes, absolutely. As are you, Jeff. Thank you very much for your support. We have Laura Myers. Hello, Laura. Same name as Laura Robson, another... British female that reached the round of 16 at the US Open. As a teenager. As a teenager. Thank you, Laura. And we have Claire Woolcock. Hello, Claire Woolcock. I feel like we might have... Do we know Claire? Do we just know other Claires? Who could say? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Claire. Thank you, everybody, for your support. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Sign up to the newsletter. Um... If David were here, he'd he'd have done a far better job of plugging the newsletter, Matt. Um, could you give it just a little tease? Um, the, okay. The stat <laughs> is to do with what we mentioned about Carolina Pliskova having saved a match point. Oh, okay. Something to do with that. Oh. He's, he's, is that a good enough tease? Yeah, you're getting good at the teases. Right. Sign up to the newsletter and we'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.